You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. You're listening to Done By Law, brought to you by the Federation of Community Legal Centres. Welcome to Done By Law on 3CR. It's Tuesday, 11th of May, and you're with Rosie, Bonnie, Meg and Tess. Um, Before we get started, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land um, from which we're broadcasting tonight, the Wiradjuri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that this land was stolen and that sovereignty has never been ceded. Next week is Law Week in the state of Victoria. Law Week is a program of free community activities and events aimed to help ordinary people understand their legal rights and learn about the Victorian legal system. Tonight, we have interviews from two different organisations about their Law Week events, Restorative Justice Services through Open Circle and the Melbourne Activist Legal Support. You can find out more information about Law Week, including a full list of Law Week events, at lawweek.net.au. Our first interview tonight is with Anna Howard. She's an experienced social justice lawyer who has practised in community legal centres, native title bodies and private practice for over a decade. Anna has brought her expertise to RMIT's Centre for Innovative Justice on a variety of projects and she now manages the centre's restorative justice service, Open Circle. So this interview was recorded yesterday by myself, Rosie and Bonnie. I hope you enjoy it. So uh, welcome to Dunbar Law, Anna. Um, we just want to start, can you tell us a bit about um, the Law Week event that you're running in um, about Open Circle? Yep, sure. Um, so we're hosting uh, an online, um, I guess it's a panel discussion uh, event on Tuesday the 18th of May from 1.30 to 2.30. So uh, join us in your lunch break. Um <laughs> And it's really an opportunity to hear from a panel of experts in restorative justice and also in in sexual violence about how restorative approaches might be used to respond to harms um, caused by sexual violence. Um, Yeah, so we've got um, colleagues, my colleagues from Open Circle, Restorative Justice Service, uh, linked to the Centre for Innovative Justice and based at RMIT University in Melbourne, um, along with um, some other experts. Dr Jane Belitho is a well-known academic who researches restorative justice. Um, Thea Deacon Greenwood, who's um, one of, along with Jane, set up a, an organisation called Transforming Justice Australia, is doing similar work in response to um, using restorative approaches to sexual um harm in New South Wales Uh, and then we also have um, a perpetrator or accountability specialist that we've been doing a bit of work with Ada Conroy Um, yeah who who can talk about sort of you know some of the uh, the ways to eliminate 
risk or be mindful of risks in doing this work. Great. Um, for our listeners who might not have heard of these terms before, especially restorative justice, would you be able to go into a bit of detail on what that means? Sure. So restorative justice is a response to harm caused by crime or you know other sorts of wrongs, which involves facilitated communication between the people most impacted to talk about what happened, its impacts, and to address the harm in ways that are meaningful for the participants. Um, and sometimes it's good to think about restorative justice uh, in contrast to the conventional justice system that we have. Um, and so one of the differences between restorative justice and the conventional criminal justice response uh, is that the process is particularly focused on meeting the needs of victims or victim survivors. Um, we often refer to them as the person's harmed. Um, and it often involves a face-to-face -face meeting, but not always. It can be facilitated communication in some other way uh, between the victim um, or the person harmed and the person responsible. Sometimes it might be an exchange of letters. Sometimes it might be between the person harmed and a third party. So, you know, if you think about the context of sexual violence, sexual harm, it might be um, the person, the, the victim survivor and other members of their family. So not the person, the perpetrator and the person responsible, but often there's harms that result from the way that a family responds to a disclosure. Um, and so sometimes a restorative process can be facilitated between the, the victim survivor and other family members. Open Circle, can you tell us a bit about your program there? Sure. So um, Open Circle was um, established in October 2019 um, at the Centre for Innovative Justice. Um, and the Centre for Innovative Justice, you know, really since it um, started, uh, has been doing a lot of research around uh, restorative justice. Um, and back in about 2016, um, it decided to run, rather than doing more and more research reports, it decided to, to do a project that involved actually doing restorative justice in the adult justice space. So, you know, there's been um, restorative justice has been an element of the youth justice um, space. So group conferencing has been available to young people um, for some time now in Victoria, but really hasn't been available um, in the adult justice space with the recent exception of um, the Department of Justice's restorative justice service for family violence matters. Uh, and that was a recommendation that came out of the Royal Commission. So, um, uh, the Centre of Innovative Justice ran this pilot project um, offering restorative justice processes for people impacted by driving offences, so culpable driving matters where there'd usually been serious injury or a death. Um, and we facilitated a number of different restorative justice processes. Um, uh, and, and we saw the benefits, we saw the power of that work um, in doing in doing um, that pilot, it was evaluated really strongly. And we decided, well, and we, we kept getting referrals as well. And we wanted to be able to, we had nowhere else to send those people. And so we decided to apply um, to the university for uh, funding to set up a restorative justice service. Um, and that's what we've done. That's what Open Circle is. And we now accept referrals um, for a broad range of matters. So we don't try and um, do restorative justice in areas that are already being serviced. 
for example, we don't do youth justice work and we don't um, do family violence related work, but pretty much anything else. Um, and not just not just crime, we also accept um, referrals for other kinds of harm. So maybe they're workplace injuries. Um, yeah, there's a range of different matters that happen, yeah, possibly more in a civil context than a criminal one. So your Law Week event is focusing on restorative justice for victims of sexual um, harm. Why, what makes restorative justice practices particularly relevant for those types of matters? Well, I think it's because the current criminal justice response isn't well suited to responding to sexual offences. Um, you know, we, we've got a system, a criminal justice system, that is failing 99% of victims. And I, I think that if you ran a program that only succeeded 1% of the time, wouldn't you consider alternative responses? Um, and, you know, it's a system that requires proof beyond reasonable doubt where often the only two witnesses are the, the victim survivor and the, the perpetrator. And, we, you know, we, we very importantly have a criminal justice system that, you know, protects the rights of people who are accused. But unfortunately, in, in the context of sexual harm, that means that it's very, very difficult to, um, to result in a, a guilty verdict um, in the context of sexual harm. So often victim survivors feel let down. And I've got to say that even those who go through a criminal justice um, trial process or prosecution and get a conviction, um, a guilty verdict, even still those people can come out of those processes saying, I still feel like my needs weren't met. Um, because, you know, when, when people are harmed as a result of sexual violence, um, just like, you know, when people are harmed in other contexts, it gives rise to a range of um, what we call justice needs. Uh, and those things might be that you want the person responsible to be accountable. And accountability for everyone doesn't necessarily look like a long jail, jail term. You know, for some people it does, and that's fine. But for others, it, it's something different. It might be being actually facing up to your family and being accountable to them and saying, yeah, I did this thing. Um, I think, you know, some people want information. They, they want to understand, why did you do this? Like, why, why did you do this to me? Um, and they won't get that through the criminal justice trial um, or, or prosecution process. Some people want to have a real prevention need. So they want what happened to them to never happen to someone else or to happen to them again. And so, you know, yes, we have a, we have a um, criminal justice system that does, you know, seek to rehabilitate people. But unfortunately, you know, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't often achieve that. And if it does, it's sort of absent to the, to the victim survivor. They don't really hear about anything um, around that. So it's an opportunity for the person to sort of, I guess, be part of that moral education um, of the, the perpetrator. So, and, and again, if they don't want to process with the direct offender and they want to have one with their family, then it's an opportunity for them to have those needs met through a process with, um, yeah, a third party who sort of added to their harm. Um, yeah, so I, I think restorative justice it's not for everyone. It's never going to be the right response for everyone, but it should be one options in a suite of options available to um, to victim survivors and, and available to, to those who want it.
And um, I don't know if you can answer this, but do you know if there's um, evidence about the impact on offenders in terms of, do you know that, that there's better outcomes or is that something that's been documented? Yeah, it has been. It's not particularly... So it has been in terms of restorative justice more broadly, but I suppose um, one of the things that we like to talk about is that yeah, a lot, lot, lot of the time restorative justice processes are evaluated in terms of the impacts on offenders as opposed to the impacts on victims and we're actually interested in well has it has it been transformative has it changed the experience of victims because our program and I think particularly in the context of sexual harm really needs to be focused on um, meeting those needs that victims have and and Obviously, if it then has um, benefits and impacts for an offender, then that's a really fantastic um, consequence as well. Um, just one final question. In terms of people wanting to access uh, Open Circle, how, how do people get referred in or can they contact you directly or what's the process? Yes, yeah, so both. Um, people can contact us directly and, and our uh, contact details are on our website. So... Um, if you go to the Centre for Innovative Justice website. In fact, if you just Googled Open Circle, um, you'll find our website and it's got our phone numbers just there. Um, and uh, we accept referrals from professionals supporting people and we can have sort of a secondary consult with you about how to raise the possibility of restorative justice with the person that um, they're working with. And then we also take phone calls from um people who are directly interested in participating themselves so yeah um either is fine great well thank you so much for joining us today anna it's been really really great interview really enlightening and i encourage everyone that's listening to engage with the law week event um, and we'll put more details on the um 3cr website about law week more generally so thank you anna and all the best um, with the event thanks rosie thanks bonnie Thanks again to Anna from Open Circle for joining us yesterday. And you can register for the Open Circles Law Week event on via the Law Week website as well. On Thursday, the 20th of May, Wyndham Humanitarian Network is holding a free Bring Your Bills Day in Wyndham Vale. Members of the community who have had questions about bills or debts can attend the event to speak to lawyers, financial counsellors, ombudsman schemes and other community organisations. The event will run from 11.30am to 7.30pm on Thursday the 20th of May at the Warangal Darung Centre at 19 Communal Road, Wyndham Vale. Wyndham Vale Humanitarian Network is a 3CR supporter. Last year, activists across the world raised concerns about the use of AI facial recognition technology to intimidate and stifle protest. Such use is only the latest in a well-documented encroachment on citizens' ability to freely protest. Now that's the intention-grabbing blurb to the Law Week events organised by our next guest, Jaw, from Melbourne Activist Legal Support. We're with Joe from Melbourne Activist Legal Support, or MALS, to talk about the three events that MALS are hosting for Law Week this year. 
the events focus on the use of police surveillance technology uh, in monitoring protests, activist activity, as well as more generally in policing. Hello, Jaw. Hello there. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, firstly, could you tell us what MAUS is? Who's involved and what do you do? Certainly. So uh, MAUS is an, it's an independent group of volunteers, essentially. Um, so a grassroots group of uh, all sorts of people, uh, you know, human rights advocates, law students, paralegals, uh, lawyers, researchers. Um, so people from the community that, that generously volunteer their time and effort to help support um, various uh, progressive or radical social and political movements. So, um, and you know, we, we, we try and support this in a few ways, but one of the central things we do is uh, train and field legal observer teams at protests. I'm, I'm, I'm sure your audience is maybe familiar with us, uh, seeing us at rallies or actions wearing bright pink vests. Uh, and so we're there to monitor and report on what's happening wherever we are, wherever we are as, a, uh, as an independent third party. So we're there to observe what the police are doing and report on anything that we find concerning. So, um, you know, abuses of power or, or violent arrests, escalating tactical decisions and so on and so forth, that, that sort of thing. Um, but we also provide training and advice to activist groups on legal support structures, such as, um, you know, what to do if you're under arrest or if you're questioned by the police about your activism, for example. Um, and so with that side of things, we have a, you know, a, a great library of, of materials on our website and that we also uh, distribute uh, in, our, in our trainings and workshops. Um, you know, guides and information resources that we've both collected and, and made ourselves over over the, the many years that MALS has been running. Great. Um, and we understand that MALS is hosting three events for Law Week this year. Can you tell us a bit about those? Uh, certainly. So our, our first event is a uh, panel discussion called um, Activism, Surveillance and Digital Security Awareness. Uh, that's with four renowned local advocates in the technology ex technology space exploring um, you know that sort of theme or topic uh, that's on thursday the 20th of may from 5 30 p.m to 6 30 p.m uh, and so we'll be hearing from uh, you know four panelists lily ryan uh, monique mann sam de silva and kira patterson uh, they'll all be talking about things such as security of your data and 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 what threats face activists and activist movements and and how we should be addressing those. Uh, then Saturday, the twenty second of May, from one thirty p.m. till three p.m., we're running a uh, Know Your Rights training event, and I guess the intention of that is to provide citizens with with more knowledge of or capacity to assert their legal rights when, when taking political action. So, for example, um, we learn about the Victorian Charter of Human Rights. We, we learn about police powers at protests in Victoria and uh, what, you, what your rights are if you're arrested and, and so on. Um, and then to cap off the week, the, on the Sunday, the 23rd, um, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m., we're running a workshop um, about digital security conceptual basics. So um, that's that's more talking about how the internet works and how mobile phones work uh, and, and so on and so forth. And then with sort of that knowledge under our belt, uh, how we can 
uh, move from there to avoid tracking and, and how to start working on securing our devices to use them more appropriately in, in activist contexts. So uh, um, all those workshops will be, a, a, you know, a, a ones that uh, welcome all skill levels, particularly beginners. But I, I think it's um, something that all activists and activist organizers should be talking about. Um, actually, I should also say that uh, all the events are free, but you'll you'll need to book as the spots are limited. So, uh, and you can get tickets available on our website, which is uh, melbactivistlegal.org.au. Uh, or, you know, of course, you can search for Melbourne Activist Legal Support and we should come up. Great. Thanks so much um, for outlining those. We'll also put a link on um, the Dumbo Law page on the 3CR website. Um, so on that first um, event, it was really interesting for us about the ad technological advancements and that might be changing the way that police monitor protests and activist activity. Would you be able to go um, speak to that, or? Um, yeah, I think it's a very, it's a great question. And I think it's something that um, requires, it's almost like constant research and checking, I guess, because police seem to be changing what they do often. Um, so, for example, what we saw during COVID with, with the police using automated number plate recognition to monitor vehicle movements and border crossings and so on, um, or perhaps what we saw with the increase of, or what we see with the increase of evidence gathering teams, which is, uh, you know, those police that are equipped with cameras that, uh, that monitor individuals and crowds. Um, we've seen them at protests for some time now, but perhaps more recently uh, being used as a, as a tactic of intimidation, um, especially since the COVID lockdowns. Um, but maybe I guess more broadly in the, in, the, in the last several years though, what comes to my mind, well, maybe even a decade or more, um, what comes to my mind is, is social media platforms and, and mobile devices that, that definitely seem to be the winner in terms of um, providing the police with very detailed, rich and, usually very accurate surveillance and disruption of individuals and activist movements at a very low cost to them, at, to the police, because we're essentially gifting all that information to the police about ourselves and our movements for free. Uh, you know, we, we disclose what we're planning, who, who we're with, who we're talking to, where we are, where we're going to be and so on. Uh, and that's a problem, I think, for, for many reasons, but um, maybe on a basic level, I guess we could look at it as as modern society continues to, continues to be ever more reliant and driven by digital technologies. Um, what we often see happening is this use of bringing together multiple innocuous data sets together to power intrusive surveillance and disruption. So, you know, the trick is okay, like. A, a, a list of locations you've walked by with your phone today might might not be so interesting by itself, but if that information is layered with other forms of data, say for example, um, you know what what other phones were around you at the same time, or or maybe your your Mikey travel history or your credit card transactions, or even whether your phone sensed you walking or running or laying down. Um, then, then this all of this data starts to build up quite a, a detailed picture of your day up until the point now where um, we have supercomputers that are that are that are traversing all of this data to guess with pretty good probability what you may be thinking 
uh, about at certain moment, at certain moments of the day. So, and of course, you know, this information has been clearly used for some time now for for targeted advertising, but uh, it's also increasingly tapped into for for public order policing and, and suppression of certain types of civic activity. So, um, you know, the police are interested in what's going on at a rally, for example, where they, where they might be interested to see certain individuals of interest converging on a street corner, for instance. Um, and so with this uh, and with what we've, we're all individually talking about on social media, I, I, I think this is a very powerful surveillance machine that's existed for a while. And um, now we're seeing it expand more into areas such as predictive policing, um, you know, where computers are guessing who's going to break the law when uh, before it happens, you know, that, that, that old cliche of the minority report sort of thing. Um, but I guess, we, you know, we also see other problematic advancements that emerge from this area too that already exist, such as um, facial recognition or, or the use of biometrics to, to identify track and flag citizens for um, various preemptive purposes and so on. So there's a lot going on, I think, and, and um, always something to learn about and push back if we, if we value democracy. Thank you so much for that, Joe. That's very interesting and frankly, pretty terrifying. <laughs> and yeah. We certainly encourage activists and protesters and, and really all civilians to register for Mel's trainings over the next week. Um, as Rosie mentioned a moment ago, we'll, we'll be having details of how to register on the Done By Law website. And that was Jaw from Mel's. And again, you can register for all the Law Week events at lawweek.net.au and links to the Mel's and Open Circle events are on the Done By Law Facebook page, not website. Sorry for all of that. <laughs> oh, and we should also note that Done By Law's uh, very own Bonnie Renau will be participating in a Law Week event herself, cross-examine a barrister. So that'll be an online forum where the public gets to put the difficult questions to the barristers for a change. That's 1 to 2 p.m. on Wednesday, 19th of May. And that's our show for tonight. Thank you very much for listening and thanks again to both of our guests for our interviews from this evening. Stay tuned to Voices of West Papua. Um, but before they start with their show, to take us out, here's Red Dust Natives from the Young, Strong and Proud Project. Northern Peninsula area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the bum of the kids. Northern Peninsula area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the bum of the kids. Up on NPA. What you doing? About six in the morning, hopped in the dinghy, me and Bala Bauti with 500 pity. Heading to the shooting swamp for some piggy, Mother Cruz East Coast got gun dogs, machetes. One, two, load up the bullet. Three, four, cock it and pull it. Five, six, pop them in the heads, cause seven, eight, nine, now the broom is dead. Hands up, hands up, Mother Cruz for you. That's a one, but it's more. Suss it up, Mother Cruz. Yeah, you know how we roll, it's the Pamega Kids. Where the ballers, what is that? Red dust, native. Life's fun up here in the NPA yeah. There's not much to do but it's deadly anyway Chilling with our titters and having a yarn Tear it up at the disco and dog him hard one Chillax the gazebo listening for the music We're probably now here because it's been our life Turning 
up the radio, you feeling it? Yeah. While I press, my thumb and potatoes, I be play tight. Hands up, hands up, make the press go youth. What's a one when small sauce it up, make the cruise. Yeah, you know how we roll. It's the band with the kids. With the titties, what it that's red dust, natives. Walking down the main street with the danger beat. And we're looking so gorgeous, are you feeling the heat? Pop, pop, lock and cover, I'ma roll it around. And then we're showing on down all the way to the ground. While I trade back, yeah, in the NPA, we're representing all the people from around this place. Make it brand new, sing no blast them over, mark by my telling us. 